Good morning, everyone. It's great to see all of you today. Man, it's good to see all of you today. Well, I wanted to thank uh, you, every one of you, that um, uh, you probably know that I turned 60. I just turned 60 out last Wednesday. Yeah, yeah, I'm here to tell you. You know, it's, it's not bad if you're in your 50s and 40s and you're wondering what it's like. You know, I'm only a couple days into it, but it's pretty good. And I've got the great love of an amazing woman. I have a wonderful family and a full head of hair, and I think it's going to be okay. So uh, I think it's going to be awesome. But the reason why, one of the reasons I brought that up is that maybe you got an email from me this week. Apparently there was a spam thing that went out. And under a false email address, I asked some of you for money, which is not what we do here at Crosstown. And I just want to let you know, uh, thank you so much for the money that you sent. I did not get it. Somebody else got all that money. But it was really sweet of you to think of me in that way and to, and to uh, send that money off. So it's, seriously, if you get an email from me this week, somebody has kind of taken... They're not breaking into your email addresses. They're making it look like it's your email address. They copy and paste some of the contents of what a real email looks like, and then they send it out. So uh, please do not respond to it. If you have any questions, if I need some money, I will send it out through the app and let you know I need some cash. Um, but uh, So thanks again. Um, and also the other thing we've been talking about, this divine manifesto that God's been working in all of us, kind of taking us beyond just being believers or just people with good ethics, but he's really been challenging us. And over the last two weeks, I actually was informed that some people were not going to come to church Sunday because they needed a break from the last two weeks. Now, if you weren't here, I encourage you to go on to our app that you can download at any one of the app stores and you listen to the last two weeks. They were a little strong. They were a little, the little, little tough. Um, and I encourage you to do this. If you search through the scriptures, and if you see that maybe I didn't use them rightly, which is a possibility, uh, and if you see that they're not biblically coherent, then just ignore them and write them off. And it's like, yeah, that dude missed it by a whole bunch. But if you do look into the scriptures and see that maybe it does touch your life and does remain coherent with the scriptures, then maybe consider it the faithful wounds of a friend. That maybe there are times when we need to get the word of God into us in a way that it doesn't feel comfortable and it does cut a little bit, but it's only being done for, by God through his love for us to kind of keep us moving in the right direction. But I wanted to thank you for being the kind of church that could endure it because uh, a lot of people would be like, listen, no, I'm just here to learn about how awesome God thinks I am and I want to be on my way. But you guys were able to take it and that really just speaks volume into your lives about what you really want, not just from Crosstown, but what you want from God. So we've been learning about this guy named Nehemiah. Oh, and I also want to tell you, today will be so much lighter than that. So, I, you know, you can, you can relax a little bit. But we learned about Nehemiah and how he responded to the broken world and his job, his calling, his manifesto was to go back to Jerusalem to repair the walls. And you can kind of catch up with some of those downloads that you can listen to. So he goes back and he begins this process of rebuilding the walls. And we learned that the workers in Nehemiah put their hands to the good work. They weren't just busy doing stuff. They weren't, church wasn't just something that they visited 
maybe just once a week or once every uh, three weeks, but rather they actually got involved with the good work of God for their marriages, for their families, for their community. They put their hands to the good work, not just only in a belief system, but actually in how they lived their life. And they began to see God establish that work through them. But then we learned about part of building the walls was the process of constructing them and also protecting the walls. That when you begin to build this new life, this manifesto, the future that God wants you to create, that there's going to be opposition to it. And it's not necessarily a human being or not all the time is it a spiritual force, though it can be that which will come against you. But it can be the way that you think. It can be echoes of something your father said to you when you were a kid or maybe a victimization or a failure that you just haven't been able to let go of that will speak to you and tell you that you can never have the life that God intends for you. And so we learned last week on, on how we need to take the initiative of protecting our minds, protecting our lives, and then we, we really got into um, protecting our families, and we talked about the internet and smartphones, and, and if I could just add one addendum to that, is that a lot of you went home and, and you, you know, put Wi-Fi adapters on there, downloaded software to phones to protect your young ones from being sexualized by the internet as they, you know, accidentally can stumble into it, and the average age is eight. So, uh, but let me just say, a lot of you folks went home and, and took your husband's phones from him and loaded software on it, uh, or your spouse's. Um, let me just encourage you, don't, maybe, don't do that to your spouse. That usually doesn't work real well. Um, you can do that to your children all day long, as long as, you know, you're paying for that phone, you're paying for that service, but your spouse is a little bit different, so I got some phone calls in the middle of the week that, listen, me and my husband are arguing, I'm like, what did you do? Well, I took his phone and I downloaded some anti-porn software for it, and I was like, you know, I appreciate your zeal, but Joshua said, as for me and my house, there has to be a moment when every me other than children, have to adopt this philosophy for themselves. And until your kids grow up, you adopt the philosophy for them. So just remember to be kind. I, I really love your zeal about it. But we're going to continue to look at one of the important aspects of how this job got done, how the walls got built. They, they built it in like 52 days. While there was an enemy around them and, and while there were people who were oppositional uh, among them. They got this job done in 52 days. So I wanted to show you something that kind of illustrates how they were able to be so successful and, and what it speaks to us. Let's watch. One of the starting points for the battle scenes is this concept of a shield wall, where essentially an army will surround themselves in shields, so they almost become like a tank. You know, they're armored around their sides and, and over, and over their, their heads, so they can move as a group with the protection of these shields. And, and all armies fought in that way at the time. Form our lines. Form our lines! Shield! Jump! Advance! Come on! Forward! Forward! 
just one. We do not break. Shield lock. Hold the line. This is our What an incredible concept, and if you get into warfare, it is an amazing idea, this thing called the shield wall, and a lot of the great armies of history have used it, and its strength comes from the interlocking coordination of the soldiers, and in our story, Nehemiah, while he's rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem, over 30 times makes a reference to this one idea over and over again about the proximity of people as the wall's being built and as the wall is being protected. Let me read it to you, and you can see it pop out. Now, I cannot pronounce all these guys' names, so I'm just going to kind of abbreviate them, uh, you know, kind of Ameri Americanize them. That's what we do. So um, Nehemiah 3 verse 1 starts, and then... Eli, the high priest, rose up with his brothers, the priests, and they built the sheep gate. They consecrated it and set its doors. They consecrated as far as the tower of the hundred, as far as the tower of Hananel. And next to him, the, son, the men of Jericho built. And next to them, Zachar, the son of Irmim, built. And the sons of Hassanah built the sheep gate. And they laid its beams and set its doors and its bolts and its gates. And next to them... Miramoth, the son of Uriah, the son of Hakaz, repaired. And next to them, Meshalem, the son of Berechai, the son of uh, Mesha, Z, uh, Bel, repaired. And next to them, Zadok, the son of Bana, repaired. And next to them, the Tekoites repaired. And next, but their nobles would not stoop to serve the Lord. And Joe, the son of Passa, the son of Meshulam, the son of this other guy, repaired the gate of Yeshana. And they laid its beam and set its doors, its bolts, and its bars. And next to them repaired Mel, the Gibeonite, and Jadon, the other guy. And then the men of Gibeon, the, of Mizpah, and the seat of the governor of the providence beyond the river. So this phrase is being repeated over and over again. It's kind of shield wallish. It's being communicated next to them, with them, after them. It was not just people living near people. It wasn't just people being active or having the same activity. But it was people being active and being near and proximate to each other and with each other. There was this overlapping shield wall effect that was occurring in this rebuilding of the wall. And in order for the reconstruction and the protection of the wall to occur, everyone had to be relationally coordinated with one another in the city. And I just love the imagery of this overlapping shield idea my shield overlapping your shield and producing this cohesive force. 
But I wanted to kind of get another illustration of the shield wall, but I want to kind of take it out of the, of the military idea, but I wanted to show it and represent it in biology. And one of the best examples that we can find is that of a fish. If you look at this fish, this fish is exactly like the shield wall of the Vikings. It's these overlapping individuals or shields that begin to produce this, this cohesive living shield wall. And as you're probably aware that the scales of a fish have a lot of different functions. Uh, one, they provide external protection from sharp objects that they may experience and also from the teeth of predators. They also serve to reduce the amount of friction and increase the efficiency of the fish's movement around the ocean and the resistance that the fish experiences. Also, we just don't think of this a lot, but it helps maintain structural cohesiveness. Kind of holds it all in there, you know? It kind of keeps the shape of the fish. But it also, this, these scales begin to produce something else. It's a, an emergent property. It's not just the structure. It begins to produce the beauty of the fish. And then with a slippery slime around the fish, they, it produces, or the, the scales work together to produce this epithelial layer around the fish, which helps protect it from bacteria. If you've ever gone fishing and you had to pick up the fish that came out of the water, I mean, personally, I'm a fisherman, so I, I love that, that feeling and I love that smell when you pull it out of the water. But it's got that slime that's around the fish. This, but it's an epithelial wall. It's a, a membrane. It's a, a, um, a working together with the scales to keep the fish protected from bacteria going underneath these little shield walls and protect the internal life of the fish. But I love it because a fish is a living creature that is encased in shield walls. So it's one living thing, but yet it's made up of all these other components that shield it, and their coordination produces continuity to the fish and the life of the fish and helps produce the beauty of the fish. And I think this is exactly how God wants us to live with one another. I don't think he wants us just to be people who are individuals who believe in God and we go about our business. I don't think that he wants us to just be separate individuals with these common belief systems and we're each active in our own area, but yet there isn't this overlapping idea. But I think God exactly wants us to live in proximity with each other. I think he wants us to be in activity with each other. And as a result of it, we experience this protection, this spiritual um, protection in our lives. We experience cohesiveness about our belief systems. We enjoy the joy of the world even though we experience resistance and friction in the world around us as a result of our overlapping relationships. And this is exactly what the early church did. Now, just think about the church, and just think about it throughout the history of, of time and ever since Jesus. How does this thing survive? I mean, it's not like other cultures came alongside of it and said, well, we want you to exist. There have been these, these attempts to stamp out Christianity 
all throughout history. And then there's, this, then there's been these attempts to kind of pervert Christianity and turn it into something different. And, and, you know, a lot of people will talk about those dark ages when the church, holy wars and all those things where there was a distortion of what the church was to be. But yet, how is it that we end up here today and that there is this thing still church? How did they survive, especially in the early church, against this Roman Empire that was so powerful? Let me read to you what the early church did. In Acts chapter 2, we are told, and I want, if you could just imagine somebody yelling, shield wall, in the middle of this. But at the same time, remembering one biological life made up of an integration of shield walls. And they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, to prayer. And everyone was feeling a sense of awe, and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. And all those who had believed were together and had all things in common. And we'll, we'll talk about what that really means. And they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all as anyone might have need. And day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. So just like a shield wall, they began to align and array themselves in relationship, not only in the issue of resources, but in the, the issue of thinking and the, the issue of doing time and life together and meeting together. They began to arrange themselves as this shield wall. They began to produce this epithelial layer that protected them from false prophets, false ideas and ideologies, the famines that occur, the persecutions that occur. They, they began to meet the needs of one another and they began to overlay each other's lives so that the church and each of its individuals could thrive. I think the one thing that separates a divine manifesto from a secular manifesto is that a divine manifesto, one given to us by God or one designed by God, will always be a manifesto that looks to bring about life in other people's lives as well as one, an individual's life. See, when Nehemiah is working on rebuilding this walls, he's not just looking to, to fix up his house. He's looking to rebuild a city, the city of God. So he's not just doing what he's doing just so that he can relax or so that he can have a great house or so that he can overcome. But what he's done is he's arrayed all these people in an overlapping fashion as a shield wall so that everyone can experience growth and the prosperity and the health and the restoration as a city of God. I think the Apostle Paul really challenges maybe our current self-centered manifestos that we have in America you know, we, we think that whatever makes you happy, whatever makes you feel good, whatever brings about success in your life. And, and I think we've even interpreted the gospel and we've pulled out the, you know, uh, verses out of the Bible that were collectively written. But 
we make them personal like I know the plans that I have for you to give you a hope in a future. Jeremiah 29, 11. Everybody has that one, you know. It's like not to harm you but to give you a future and a purpose. Well, that was never written to an individual. It was written to a collective. It was written to a city, the people of God. Because God always had the context that God heals individuals but collectively heal individuals bring about health to community. So, but what we'll do is whether it's through something we'll learn in America, culture, or whether it's how we extract biblical principles, we'll try to turn it into a very highly personalized Christianity. But, but everything that took place in the early church, everything that's communicated to us from Scripture, really challenges the selfish manifesto. Again, I am concerned about how Jesus affects me. And I am like Joshua, as for me and my house, I'm going to serve the Lord, and I want to experience all the benefits. But there is this part of it that's also built into it, that I am just one scale that overlaps the scales of other lives, other men, other families, other marriages, and overlies and works together to bring about the health of the whole community. So before I, I read what Paul says and how he challenges the self-centered manifesto, um, some of you are into philosophy. Some of you are into sociology and you're into government. And I, I think in this current frame of government that we're in this particular moment, I think I need to point this out, that the common good or having all things in common has a certain bias to it depending on how you look at this. History is full of people, and I've been very careful to study this and to make sure I say this correctly. So please excuse me if I'm really staying on my notes. But I, you step a little bit to the left or the right on this, you can fall into a, a just saying something less than God's best. History is full of people like Aristotle, Aquinas, Locke, and Rousseau, who all had their definitions of what the social good was or what it meant to have all things in common. And I've heard a lot of people say, well, you know, if you really look at the Bible, and if you look at the book of Acts, and if you look at the particular text that you just read, the Bible's really into socialism. Well, no, it's, it's not communicating socialism in the context of some of these other philosophers in, in time. And I think that's an extracting it out of its genuine context. It doesn't take it that far, and also, we need to be very clear that all of them willingly did this. They were all motivated by their hearts to give and to sell and to have all things common. They were not motivated by the sword or any government to do so. So that's a big difference, is what is the coercive force? Is it love, or is it just uh, secular government? That's not what the New Testament's trying to communicate about overlocking, about shield wall, about having all things common or living in relationship. Listen to what Paul says. This is, this is the common good. Philippians 2 verse 1 says, If there is any encouragement in Christ, if there is any consolation of love, if there is any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and compassion... Make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. So he's, he's talking about if there's any love, if there's any comfort, and, and these are all scales of the same fish, and he begins to lay them over each other. 
He says, if there is any, any love, if, be united in spirit, be intent in one purpose, this one fish idea. And he goes on to say, and to challenge a more secular manifesto, and he says, do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, let each of you regard one another as more important than themselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interest, but for the interest of others. I mean, this couldn't be more perfect than, I mean, this is the fish. You know, we have that little ickloos thing on the back of our cars when we drive around. I don't have one because my driving style is not uh, Christ excellent. Um, and, and so I just don't want to bring any bad press to, to Jesus. But we, we always, we put this little ickloos thing on the back of it, and, and it's like, that means I'm a Christian. But you know what? Too many of us are, are, are fish without scales. We are individuals not living in community or relationship. That we have this, these, these commodities of encouragement, fellowship, of compassion and affection and joy, but yet we don't overlap them in relationships. Most church growth in America, when they, when they actually looked at it, most church, in, in, uh, church growth in America is not necessarily atheists coming to Christ. When we begin to look at churches that are growing, and not all, in not all cases, but a lot of churches are going, it's church transfer. It means... I didn't get along with so-and-so, um, or maybe that church that I went to required too much as far as, you know, kept on talking about small groups, kept on talking about serving, kept on talking about volunteering, talk, kept on talking about walking in accountability with each other, kept on talking about discipleship, kept on talking about mentorship. You know, and that's not it. It's just me and Jesus. But a lot of churches grow only because when this idea of overlaying gets communicated, sacrifice, consoling one another, forgiving one another, it's, it's like, yeah, that's, that's not what I'm looking for. And Paul challenges this idea. Paul, uh, Jesus communicates this idea to us as well. Listen to John 13. You're real familiar with this. John 13, 34, he says, A new commandment I give to you that you love one another... Even as I loved you, that you love one another. And again, if you're a theologian here or you're a philosopher and you've always wondered about how the Trinity, you know, because it is kind of a mystery, God, three persons, one being, you know, how can that be? Um, I mean, please excuse me, I'm not being rude, but it's just, he's a big fish. I mean, it, it's, it's overlapping relationships, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And remember, we were created in his image. And then one of the first things that we're told about creation that's not really good, good, not, not that it was evil, but it was not good for man to be alone. You know, because why? It's because we were created to be a living organism. We were created to be in relationship with each other, in the image of God, in relationship with himself, that we're supposed to be overlapping with each other. So when Jesus is saying this, love one another, he's not calling them just to a new ethic. He's saying, I want you to be like God. He's calling them to a divine state of being. A new commandment I give to you that you love one another even as I loved you, that you love one another because that's what me and my Father and the Spirit are doing. But here's a beautiful thing. By this all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. 
I tell you, I am a fisherman. And there's nothing better when all of a sudden, you know, and it's, it's and you see it on the water. I'm in a, I, I fish in the estuary, so it's shallower water. But you're still waiting to identify what you got. Because you don't want one of those little skate things, you know. I mean, that's just a pain. And then, you know, there, there may be a, like a shark that you could pull in, and you don't want that either. And if you're like me, you're, you're hoping this is a spot tail, you know, bass or a red, whatever you may call it. And, and, and so, but what are you waiting for to identify it? You're waiting to see the scales. Because as soon as you see the scales, you can identify what this thing is about. And so what Jesus is saying is that love one another, and by this, people will be able to tell what you are. See, they're not going to tell what you are just because of your stand on homosexuality. We think that's our, our best selling point. We believe in marriage between heterosexuals. Really? <laughs> you think that makes the church look beautiful? You know, um, our stand on, uh, on abortion or some of these other things. And we do have our ethics in those areas as they come to us from the word of God. But we, what Jesus is saying, though, but that's not what makes the church look beautiful. What makes the church look beautiful is when people are living in shield wall with each other. When people are living in overlapping scales of love and compassion and forgiveness and, and, and tolerance and, and all these wonderful attributes that we love one another. And he says, by this they will be able to tell that you're my disciples and not just moralist. I remember growing up, we, were, we used to be called the religious right. And I, I think we were proud of that. You know, what we should have seen is that we just de-evolved. Is that we were called something else other than Jesus. We should have wept over that designation. Because that meant that all the world could see from us is that we were a, a gathering together, not of loving, compassionate people, but rather just a collection of ethics. And we were never to be just a collection of ethics. Again, we have our biblical ethics that's given to us by God. But yet, they're supposed to be arraigned in this way of love and compassion and forgiveness and truth. And um, The fish maintains its structural and functional cohesiveness by the conjoining of the scales together. But that's also where the fish gets its beauty. If people are not loving the church today, or if people are not coming to God, and I've said this a thousand times, I am so science-oriented. If you want to have a cosmological conversation with me, I'm your guy. If you want to talk about evolution, I'm your guy. I love science, and I love integrating it in my understanding of God as it speaks to me about God as the Word of God does. But that's not what people are rejecting God over. They're rejecting God over the nature of the church. Is that we seem to be separated. We don't seem to get along. Even though we don't, may not like each other, we're still supposed to overlap each other. Even though we don't agree with maybe what your kids watch on TV, you know, well, you're a hot Harry Potter family and, and you're, you're a Lord of the Rings family or you're into Marvel. You know, Star Wars is all about yin and yang and all this other. It's like, yeah, cool, but can, can we keep our cohesiveness? Can we still overlap each other? Because the world looks at us and they see that we're fighting each other all the time. It's like, I don't want any of that. I don't need that kind of resistance in my life. 
The living shield wall is one of the ways that God meets the challenges of life for each and every one of us. I don't think any of us who follow after Christ don't pray a prayer, God deliver us from evil, just like in the Our Father. Lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil and ask God to protect our lives. But what we don't realize is that one of the greatest ways God will protect us will be through the shield wall of relationships. Is that when I have other men overlapping my life, speaking into my life, protecting me, correcting me, challenging me, when my life is overlapped, the protection of God is realized. Listen to what Paul said. He said in Romans 12, 10, be devoted to one another in brotherly love, giving preference to one another in honor, not lagging behind in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, persevering in tribulation, devoted to prayer, contributing to the needs of the saints, and practicing hospitality. That's a beautiful fish. Man, see, that's the kind of fish God wants to pull in his boat. Bless those who persecute you. Don't leave your church. Don't switch church just because you didn't get along with that family. Bless those who persecute you and curse not. That's a tough one for me. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Because we'll all have our moments. You know, we'll all have our moments when, when hard and difficult things will happen to us. And, and God says overlap each other in, in times of weeping. And something good happens, man, rejoice with each other. Be of the same mind towards one another. Do not be haughty in mind, but associate with the lowly. Do not be wise in your own estimate. Because what happens when you get all puffed up and wise? You separate yourself. You know, you become isolated because you're not like them. But the, the apostle is like, no, you need to connect yourself in relationship with each other. Listen to this epithelium. This is a spiritual epithelium. This is a protective layer. Let me, let me just buzz it out to you. Do not judge one another. Forgive one another. Admonish one another. Serve one another. Show patience to one another. Speak truth to one another. Be kind to one another. Be subject to one another. Seek that which is good for one another. Build up one another and comfort one another. See, that's the common good that the gospel is talking about. Not what Rousseau is talking about. This is what God is talking about. We should have overlapping in each other's life. We are not called to live and follow God alone. We are not. You know, I'm, it is anti the very nature of God himself, who is not alone. But he is arrayed in person. And we are the image of God. And we are the church of God. We are to be arrayed in relationship with each other. And you may be here today and you're just like getting your butt whipped. And you're like, where is God? Well, God may be saying to you, well, where's your buddy? Where's your shield? Where's your shield wall? Where's your fish? I mean, where are you connected? Because I am here, but there is no doing God all by yourself because that is anti-God in nature. You are not called to live or follow God alone. You are not called to succeed for yourself alone. You know, that's... And here's the other thing. You are not called to face your failure alone. 
And that's what's the first thing that happens when we fail. We keep it hush-hush. We don't put our stuff out on the street. And we isolate ourselves so that nobody can find out about it. Or we're so ashamed we just kind of feel like we don't deserve to be around other people. We are not called to live alone. We are not called to succeed alone. And we're not called to fail alone. We are called to be in shield wall together. And that's how Nehemiah was able to build Hebrews 10, 24, and this is the last verse I'll read to you. He says this, let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and to good de deeds. Okay? How, how does, that means i got to be to stimulate. You know, it's kind of like the harmonics that you experience from your car. It's vibrations or the, the vibrations of the string of a piano. Let us be in relational context so that we can experience the harmonics of re relationship. And let us stir each other to love and to good deeds. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves. Not as forsaking our shield wall as is the habit of some. But encouraging one another. So let me encourage you today that you may have been waiting for God to respond to your need. And you may have been praying a prayer that God would just rescue you from all the things. And there is rescue from God. But maybe today God is calling you into a shield wall. Maybe he's calling you into an organic relationship where somebody else's shield protects you. Where somebody else's win becomes your win. Where somebody else's loss becomes your purpose and your meaning in life. Where somebody else's loss becomes maybe your empathy or sympathy. But God is calling everyone into relationship with each other. That's where we experience strength. As I was looking over the fact of turning 60, I began to look through all the metrics just like any other person. How much money do I got in the bank? Yeah, yeah. What's your retirement look like? Yeah, yeah, not really there. It's like, uh, what's your... 5K time look like? Yeah, I'm more into 4K on the couch than 5K on the road. Um, it's like, where do you, Paul, where are you at in life? Um, I've got this incredible relationship with this woman that overlaps my life. Um, I've got this incredible relationship with these wonderful people in Crosstown, friends who are following after God that got my back that cover my weakness, that forgive my sins, that help me in my losses. And I began to realize I've got the win. I'm a part of a beautiful fish. And I'm a part of the kingdom of God now. See, a lot of us here, you say to yourself, and we've always been told in the Bible Belt, if you die tonight, do you know if you go to heaven? Well, the question is not whether or not you're going to go to heaven. It's whether or not heaven is in you now. And the way that it comes into your life is through shield wall, through the Spirit of God unifying us together in relationship. So God wants to encourage you to begin to connect with other people. If not here, somewhere. But that you're not called to succeed alone, to walk alone, or even to fail alone. Father, we enter into this moment and we come to the table of Christ and it's not a table of one. 
but it was a table that you instituted. You began with 12 flawed men at the table with you. You even allowed the betrayer to remain at the table while you gave him bread and you gave him the cup. God, you're so awesome that whenever, whether we're succeeding, whether we're having a holy moment or we're desperately covered in hellishness, that you invite us to the table. You invite us into relationship with you and with one another that we may experience not just life, not just society, but the very nature of God himself. So Father, we come to this table, not alone, but we come into this table as a community. We come to this shield wall. We thank you, God.